Today we're going to be looking at something that I believe is quite important and I've been teaching on this. I'll be teaching on it uh, this morning. And we're looking at um, how God himself is within our human relationships. In other words, if you want to find where God really is and he's uh, what's the word to use now? His agenda is being unfolded. His intelligence and his program is at work in your own life. Then I will suggest that you look into your relationships. When we stand before the judgment seat of Jesus Christ, how he is going to evaluate the nature of work that we have done on this earth will be based on the way and manner in which we handle the relationships that were in our lives. He talked about the fact that I will set the goats on one side and then I will set the sheep on the other side. And what he really spoke to was the fact that the goats acted in certain ways in their own relationships while the sheep acted in certain ways and towards him. And when the sheep asked, when did we, when were you thirsty and hungry and all this? He said, when you did it unto the least of my brethren, you were doing it unto me. So inserted in these relationships that we have every day is the very presence of God. And the way and manner in which God will evolve within our lives is based on the dynamics in the relationships that we have. Last week, we tried to establish that it is very important. Okay, you may not interact with people physically. You may, um, you know, be just... Um, have casual interactions with them or you may be very close to them but it's important that in every single relationship that you have that there is no inequity what do we mean by inequity there is no hypocrisy within that relationship that is you do not all right have mischief in your heart towards that person who dwells securely with you or who has not antagonized you in any way or hurt or harmed you in any way, you do not, all right, have mischief in your heart while you say to that person, peace, peace. In other words, you give the person an impression with your words that all is well, whereas you have deep-seated grievances in your heart towards that person. The Bible says, He that hideth hatred with lying lips, and he that utters a slander, both are fools. So if there is any animosity within your heart, we said it's important that you go up to God and release that in prayer unto God and enter into the place of forgiveness towards that person. Take the situation and hand it over to the hands of God. All right. The fact that you have forgiven somebody will not completely heal you of the hurt. Listen to this the hurt and the wound you have on the inside of yourself. Neither will it rectify immediately the damage that that person might have done to your own life or business or whatever it is. However, when you release that issue to God, who is a God of justice, now what God will do is that he will step into the situation. The minute you forgive the individuals, you liberate God to come into that particular situation and he will do a work on your behalf that will completely heal you of any hurt, wound or pain. 
He will do something in your business that will reverse the entire loss that had happened within the place or the damage that person has done. So what hinders God the most from getting involved in our lives is unforgiveness, which means somebody does something and we are holding it against the person and we are, we are demanding that, you know, some hurt or damage comes to the life of that person. What will liberate God into your space the most on this earth is to forgive, which means to relinquish your own personal right over that person's life, submit the issue to God, but to understand that God is a God of judgment and he will repay you. God will step in and do something and what God will do will heal you completely. So the act of forgiveness releases it into the hands of God. What God does after you have forgiven heals you of any wound or hurt that you might have inside your life. Which means that when God dealt, for example, with Joseph's situation there, after Joseph released his brothers, God dealt with Joseph. He became prime minister of Egypt. The pain and the hurt of what the brothers did completely was gone. God used him as an agent there or his agent there to restore his brothers, to bring the family into the position that they were supposed to be. So he was able to say, you meant it for evil, but God turned it around for my good. So our relationships is so important. The first scripture I'm going to quote here is in Luke chapter, Luke chapter 13 and verse 34 and 35. Luke chapter 13 and verse 34 and 35. Very, very powerful scripture here. And it tells us this in Luke 13 here. It says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which killeth the prophet and stones them that are sent unto you. How often will I have gathered thy children as a hen gather her brood under her wings, but you will not. So God sent in people into the lives, all right, of the people in Jerusalem. But instead of embracing those people, they threw stones at them. They found fault with them. And he said, how often would I have gathered? How would he have gathered through the people he sent in, the divine helpers that he sent in? He said, I would have gathered. He said, Behold, your house is left unto you desolate, and verily I say unto you, you shall not see me, that's Jesus, until the time comes when you say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. So he says, The house will be left desolate until you recognize the importance of people in your life. Until you recognize the importance of people in your life and the connections that are making upon the earth and you change the way and manner in which you treat those people and you are no longer throwing stones at them and doing things and thinking that it's just your own personal relationship with God that counts that it does not matter the way and manner in which you treat other people and this is one of the false mindsets that came in to the church of Jesus as a result of what we even termed an understanding of the redemptive work of Christ. Now, please listen to this here. And justification by grace. Because we felt that through Jesus Christ rightly, we have received forgiveness from all our sins. And therefore, we now thought that regardless of how we behave on the earth, 
Jesus was wounded for transgressions, correct? He was bruised for iniquity, right? So whichever way and manner in which we treat people, we are going to go scot-free. And because people had that understanding on the inside of them, they therefore felt the way and manner in which I treat people really doesn't count because I will get away with it. For I can always go to God and ask him to forgive me and he will set the lawful captive free and deliver the prey of the mighty and I will get out of it. Yes, God will forgive you. But this is not what I'm teaching here. But God himself is a God of judgment and discipline. And therefore... He told them, he said, I will forgive you of your iniquity, but take vengeance on your imaginations and your evil inventions. So God can forgive, but at the same time, do certain things within our lives to correct that particular thing. And he's a God of justice. Look, God did not forgive us of the sins because he just decided in a blanket way to show mercy. He was a God of judgment in forgiving us. And it's because the ransom was paid in full that somebody else died in our stead. That God said, now somebody else has paid the price. There was some legality here. Adam through Adam, sin entered into the world and death came it upon all men. One man brought it in. One man can take it out, Jesus. So there's that system of justice in God. And when we treat people wrongly, there will be consequences for it. And there's something, this is not what I'm teaching today, but there's something in the wisdom of God by which you have to make sure, uh, all right, you ask God for forgiveness, but you have to make sure that the propensity of your life towards people is one of goodness, mercy, respect, and honor. So even when you make mistakes on the earth and sow wrong seeds, because of the right seeds that you are sowing and the right way in which you are treating the greater majority of the people, the mistake you make with some people does not in any way override or overwhelm your life. That's the way it works. Let me repeat that. Nobody's perfect, but propensity towards evil has to be removed completely from your life. For there will be consequences. For whatsoever a man sows, that also shall he reap. Now, God forgives you, but there are consequences on the earth for wrongdoing. And if you treat people wrongly on this earth, there will be consequences there. Now, the only way and manner in which people may seem to be getting away on the earth is that they are not evil people. They have made genuine mistakes. But because the propensity of their lives is towards goodness, so you may be there saying this person did something wrong, right? But if that person's propensity is one of goodness and they're doing many things right, including you, whom they made one mistake with, maybe they said a hurtful word or made a decision, maybe in the business or the way they went about something was not right. But 
but the propensity of their being is good. What happens is the goodness and those good seeds they have sown has an overriding. That's why when Nebuchadnezzar went to meet Daniel, he said to Daniel, there is judgment. And Daniel said, it has come by the decree of watchers, which means there are people you are oppressing that are voicing out their pain. And they are decreeing a collapse of your kingdom. He asked Daniel, what can I do to be saved from this? And Daniel said, Go out there and show mercy to the poor. And at the same time, righteousness in your dealings. It will extend your time of peace on this earth. And that judgment will hang over and will not be able to land on you. But he got out of it and didn't take Daniel's advice. And went to beat his chest and said, I created and pam, he went. All right. So people don't make mistakes right and they do things sometimes they're not supposed to do if you as a person you must have a sense of responsibility if you are aware of something you did that was wrong and it did bring hurt and damage to the lives of people the onus is on you to relieve them of that pain by apologizing all right the bible says agree with your adversary quickly so go on there. It says, if your brother has ought against thee and he has voiced out the pain and said to you, now there's some things you don't know. Maybe you offended somebody and the person never mentioned it. Maybe you made an unkind remark and the person was hurt but never said it. Now that person is voicing out things and weaponizing that hurt. Now the person is weaponizing it and saying things. But those words will not have an effect in your life. If there's so much good that you are doing, that some people are blessing you out of their own heart for what you have brought to their life and praying for you, the overwhelming presence of that goodness will shatter the wrong things that you're doing. That's how you keep the balance and make progress in life. All right. So one of the major interactions I want to talk about quickly, okay, I didn't know I was going to digress into that. It's taking about 10 minutes of my time. Right? But I felt somebody needed to hear this in terms of us developing wisdom and understanding God's sense of justice. All right, When the Bible says a person's cup is full, you know what that is? That means you persistently were doing certain things wrong until the judgment accumulated and the thing landed. Okay, So it's not every mistake, you, small mistake you make, you will know. It's when people have a propensity towards evil that they accumulate those things and they sow enough seeds that produce something within their lives. All right. Now, many, so it says, your house will be left unto you desolate until you say, we looked at Luke chapter 13, let me read it again, 34 and 35. O Jerusalem, you killed the prophets and stoned them that were sent unto thee. How often will I have gathered thy children together? As a hen doth gather the brood under her wings, and you will not. Which means, I would have gathered things together for you. I would have brought these things into your life. But you are not allowing me to do it. Because I'm going to do it through certain people I'm introducing into your life. But you're throwing stones at those people. You are getting offended at those people. You are cutting off those relationships. You are not recognizing those folks within your life. 
Some of them walk in as strangers. The Bible says, be hospitable for some have entertained angels unawares. Angels means a heavenly visitation through those individuals. You ain't seen that. It says, behold, your house is left unto you desolate. A very I say unto you, shall not see me again until you say out of your heart that, Lord, I come to worship you. And one of the reasons I'm praising you and worshiping you is for divine helpers you are bringing into my life. Look, if you read the account of the nation of Israel, when they were in severe bondage, they cried unto God in prayer. And God went to meet Moses and answered and told me, he said, I have heard the groanings and the cries of the nation of Israel, and I've remembered the covenant that I had with Abraham their father. I have now come down. This is what God said. I have come down to save them. Therefore, I am sending you. So God says, I'm coming down. I have come to save them. But that salvation is now personified in you, Moses. So when you pray and God comes down, he comes into the hearts of certain people to act towards you in certain ways. And if you reject those people, then you've rejected the presence of God. That's why we are saying in our human relationships is where we find divine intelligence. It tells us in Isaiah 30, It talks about an experience people are having. And it's the experience, we'll see this, of eating the bread of adversity and drinking the waters of affliction. And it says in verse 18, Therefore will the Lord wait that he may be gracious unto thee. And therefore will he be exalted that he may have mercy upon thee. For the Lord is a God of judgment. Isaiah 30, 18. Blessed are all they that wait for him. For the people shall dwell in Zion at Jerusalem. Thou shalt weep no more. He will be very gracious unto thee at the voice of thy cry when he will hear it. So your cry means your prayer that came up to God. He will be gracious unto thee at the voice. So you are giving voice to something and he will respond with grace to that thing you are giving voice to. When he shall hear it, he will answer thee. So it's a prayer. And what's the answer? Though the Lord give you the bread of adversity, which means though you had been eating the bread of adversity and drinking the water and, of, and the water of affliction, Yet shall not thy teachers be removed into a corner anymore, but thine eyes shall see thy teachers. In other words, you were eating the bread of adversity, going through one adversity after another adversity. One adversity after another adversity. Affliction and, and you had not experienced the power of God progress where your path was as a light that shineth brighter and brighter and you are wondering why are people, some people having it so easy on the earth. They're making progress. Things are happening and you are eating the bread of adversity and drinking the water of affliction. It says there is a prayer you offer up unto God. 
that he'll be very gracious unto, unto that voice when he hears it. And what's that voice? It's not just a voice for God deliver me. It is a voice that says here, the answer, Yet shall not thy teachers be removed into a corner anymore, but your eyes will see your teachers. Which means, there are people on this earth that God has ordained to teach you. That these things you are going through is a product of ignorance in your heart. There are things about this earth you don't know, neither do you understand. You are struggling against not the tide on the outside because there are people in that same space doing that same thing that are making satisfactory progress. The tide you are coming up against is ignorance. Now, if you are ignorant of something, then you'll be ignorant of the fact that you need to know more. Do you get what I'm saying? If you don't know planes fly, you've never seen them, you live in some remote place, and, and planes fly, and somebody comes to meet you, because you're ignorant of it, you will, all right, see no reason and say, what are they talking about? And throw stones at anybody who comes in to say, you know, people fly and thousands of men work because you are walking. So the issue is the ignorance. This is what the scripture is saying. That the prayer is, my teachers, wherever you are hidden, appear. Let me see you. The prayer that removes stagnancy, failure, and frustration from your life. Let me repeat again. The prayer point that removes stagnancy, frustration, and failure for your life is not God just deliver me, but God first send teachers to instruct me. For with every temptation, there is a way of escape. I need to be instructed and I need to be taught. You may know the promises of God for your life as you study the scriptures, but you still need to be taught in order for you as a person to experience those things that you know inside the scripture. So there are people that are assigned to teach you that are hidden. They are somewhere on this earth, hidden. The books you are supposed to read are hidden. They haven't come into your consciousness so that you can expose yourself to that information. It was great minister, man of God, F.F. Bortworth, that said, if anybody understands God's wisdom, the first thing when you meet somebody, and a, and, and a man of God, who even if you was talking about healing and, and you might have an ailment and you want the healing power. He said the first thing should not be pray for me, but instruct me. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To listen to the full message or any other message, please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org. For any inquiries, please call 0818-600-0082. God bless you.
let's, let's look at Acts and chapter 9. I just want to show you this. That, that when Jesus, the Bible says that in the book of Colossians 2.19, he says that not holding the head from whom all the body through joints and bands has nourishment minister. Now Jesus is the head. But even when we pray to him and ask him to do things, he passes it, what he's bringing into your life, he passes it through somebody. And it's by joints, which means connecting with that person and bands and being in certain groups that he has created on the earth. That's how those blessings come. If you withdraw yourself from relationships, you withdraw yourself from the supply. In other words, the supply is somewhere, but the connection is what you don't have. That's why after this meeting, you've got to pray unto God. Wherever my divine helpers are, wherever that connection is, let it arise. Let my eyes see. Let the joining come in. For we'll see something here. You say, well, it's just God I need, God alone. Well, let's look at this here. In, in the book of Acts, all right, it tells us that this is how Paul got saved. Now, at this particular point in time, he was known as Saul. And this is the Damascus experience. Now, this is a spectacular manifestation of Jesus where Jesus literally appeared unto Paul. But I want you to understand what even Jesus said about human connection in bringing answers to prayers without which there will not be a full manifestation. Now, the Bible says in verse 3, Acts 9 and verse 3, and as he journeyed, and this he is Paul, who was Saul then. He came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. This is light now. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why persecuted thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And he, the Lord said, I am Jesus. So this wasn't even an angel. I am who? Jesus, whom thou persecuted. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Now, pricks was sharp, well, well, like a rod, but it had two edges very sharp that the shepherds used to use at that particular point in time to protect their sheep. So if you are kicking against, it's almost like kicking against a spear. And that's what he said he was doing in spirit realm. And trembling and astonished, he said, Lord, what wilt thou have me do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city. So what am I going to do? He says, Arise and go into the city. And it shall be told thee what you must do. He says, somebody is going to come and tell you. Jesus appeared, held a conversation with Paul, but said, really what you must do to be saved, I will raise somebody to come to you and tell you. You pray, God answers the prayer. And what he's saying to you, there is somebody I'm going to raise up that will come to you and tell you what you need to do. So the second prayer point is God, wherever this person is or people are that they are hidden, bring them out. Where are my teachers? The Bible says, And the men that journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were open, he saw no man, but they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. And he was there three days without sight. The Bible says, neither did he eat nor drink. 
And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision. So the Lord now went to Ananias and said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire for the house of Judas, for one soul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. What do you think Saul was praying? He was praying for the person that God had told him will come and speak to him to tell him what to do. He was asking for that person to come in. And God said, I've had and answered that prayer. And Ananias get up and that joint came. That divine connection came. That relationship came. All right? And he had seen the vision a man and see. The Bible says, it says, Behold, he prayed, and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming and putting his hand on him that he may receive his sight. So Paul was praying about this. Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. This is why it's good to treat people right and to develop a reputation of being a generous and a good person on the earth because then there will be no difficulty in people coming towards you. You see this man, there was so much difficulty in him coming to come to meet Paul because he had heard about Paul. People will gravitate towards people that have a generous spirit that they've heard good things about. But the Lord said, Go thy way, for is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my sake. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house, putting his hands on, on him, said, Brother Paul, the Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way that thou camest, had sent me, that thou might receive thy sight, be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales. So I'm saying the people that need to come into your life to cause the skills to fall off. Now, you may have prayed and seen the light of God for business or for whatever it is, but you need a human teacher. And this is what you need to pray, to come in to bring instructions. And I'm not even talking religious stuff now. You've gotten the promises of God for your life. You've prayed and God has, the light has come. But then you need an instructor. Let me tell you how this thing operates. You know, somebody asked me once, you know, if I have the Holy Spirit, then why do I need human instructors? And I said, God is like your light, which is like the sun. Human instructors, they are like landmarks, which are signposts. So if I'm staying right here and I want to tell somebody here to go to a certain street called number 54, uh, Tikabada Street, which is non-existent, somewhere. How am I going to? He says, I don't know the way there. I said, all right, you can drive here. You get uh, right out of this place. First turn on your left, you go down. Then you take that road. It goes for about one kilometer. Then take the second turning on your left, all right, after around or after a traffic light he says all right and when you turn to your left you've got into that takeda road there or, or off takeda road there and so what you're going to do is 
you will see a greenhouse, a massive greenhouse with a black gate. Turn immediately after that greenhouse to the right and you will find a red house right before you. That's the house. He says, thank you very much. What have I used? I've used landmarks to show the person the way to that place. But all those landmarks will mean nothing if there's no sunlight. Because how will he see the red house? How will he see the green house? How will he see turn left turn? He won't. So God comes with light. And in that light, do you see light? In other words, it takes two lights for you to have an experience. God's light, and then in that light, you see light. Let me just say something about it here. Okay? Or Proverbs. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 5. The importance of teachers. Proverbs 5 here and verse 13. And it tells us the significance and importance here of teachers. Proverbs 5. It tells us. Now, it's talking here about the end of a person's life and the regret that a person might have. It says in verse 9, Lest thou give thy honor to, to others and thy years to the cruel. Lest strangers be filled with thy wealth and your labors in the house of a stranger. So all what you worked for, the benefits, everything is in somebody else's house. And you mourn at the last. That's you have a sense of regret at the last. It says, when thy flesh and body are consumed, that's when you are old and you have no more strength to labor. You've labored, but everything, you can't see the benefits of your 35, 40 years of putting work in. It says, and what will you say? How I hated instruction and my heart despised reproof, which is correction, and have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to them that instructed me. What will bring regret to the life of any person? He says, not listening in their old age to teachers that God sent into your life. People that will instruct you. People that will teach you. Yes, you have prayed. God has granted revelation about things. In other words, you have a conviction you are going to be great, but you need human instructors. And these human instructors we're speaking about are people that will teach. Uh, let me just read something here. Really powerful. During the time of slavery, and, and it's still holding back the church to a very large extent. During slavery, it was illegal for Africans to read any other book other than the Bible. So you could read the Bible, but they, you could not read any other book. Anyone caught reading philosophy, science, governance, history, economics, or any other genre of, of literature faced the death penalty. The slave masters understood that they could use certain scriptures and keep those people, which means if people don't have instructors within their lives, that you are confessing about the growth of your business and all of that, and you have promises from God that you'll break forth on the left and on the right, but you don't have instructions on how business works on this earth. You don't have instruction on how the financial systems work. You have not been instructed on recognition of opportunity, 
on how to scale ideas that you might have, on, on management, on, on those things, the person is going to be frustrated. They're going to be confessing the scriptures and waiting every day and praying and wondering what's going on. No instructor. Now, I was going to get really deep into all this stuff about teaching here. But Job, let me see how much I can get through. Job chapter 8 and verse 8. It tells us this. Though thy beginning, verse 7, was small, thy latter end shall greatly increase. Now, why will that happen? Though your beginning was small. He says, for I inquire, I pray thee, of the former age, and prepare thyself to the search of their fathers. So, read two generations, which means read what went before and what went before that particular generation. Read it. So you must read books that were read, written, all right, in the 80s, but at the same time, read even books that were written in the 40s. It says, for we, for we are bought of yesterday and know nothing, because our days upon the earth are a shadow. Shall not they teach thee and tell thee words, all right, and utter words out of thy heart? So you've got to be taught. And then it goes on, can the rush grow up without the mare? Can the flag without water? Which means without the necessary ingredients, these plants cannot grow. It says without you being taught, there's no way you're going to be able to experience things upon this earth. Now, this teaching can come either by somebody, if God so privileged you and you, the people that come physically, but the principal way most of the knowledge on this earth will get across to people is through the printed page literature. What was written? In other words, you've got to read. You have got to read. And, and, and now, I'll close with this. And when you read, you practice what is called because there are strategies to learning. You practice what is called inductive reasoning. And inductive reasoning is the ability to compare, to study. For example, if you want to succeed at something, you study people who have succeeded, what they have written about success in different fields to find the common denominator in the practice of every single person. The common denominator, because people can go with myths and can go with superstitions and say that, oh, the reason why this person succeeded is because, you know, they used to, and that's myth now, or they, 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 they had um, 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 a fantastic, uh, or they were born in a certain nation. Now, now, if you take that, but you see other people who are not born in that nation who succeeded and you strike that off. Being born in that nation is not part of, it's not a condition for success. You say, well, this person succeeded because of this. You look through the lives of every single person. If you find as a common, de common denominator, mark that. I'm going to practice that. Inductive reasoning. Every form of human progress has come through this type of discovery. Man has always advanced when he sought for wisdom through this particular strategic search of literature and observing the lives of people around them. Numbers chapter 10. I'm going to have to close here because of time. Verse 28. What important things we're saying here is you need people in your life. 
God is going to come through with people. There's a basic way in which you ought to treat people to gather goodwill upon this earth so that forces of evil don't hit you. Folks, if you've made a mistake, if your life has been grounded, if there's so much adversity pushing against you, pull out and go heavily on this earth into the practice of helping the less privileged. Widows, orphans, go out there and, and give and help people so much and listen to the prayers of people and pronouncements of people over your life. Then once the cloud of those pronouncements rests upon you, folks, there's nothing as powerful as a poor person or somebody in trouble who was going to perish. That person, you saved that person from perishing and they made a pronouncement upon your life. Now I'm giving you quotes in the spirit realm. But let's close with this. Numbers chapter 10 here, verse 28. It says, These were the journeys of children of Israel according to their armies when they set forward. Moses said unto Hobab, the son of Ruel, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law, we are journeying to a place where the Lord said, I will give it to you. Come with us and we'll do thee good, for the Lord has spoken good concerning us. So Moses called his brother-in-law literally and said, Come with us. Why? He said unto him, I will not go, but I will depart to my own land, to my kindred. He said, Leave us not, I pray thee, for as much as thou knowest how we should encamp in the wilderness, that thou mayest be unto us instead of eyes. And it shall be that if you go with us, yea, it shall be what goodness the Lord shall do unto us, the same shall we do unto thee. That's how you treat people right. But what was the point here? He said, listen, we need you to be our guide, our eyes unto us. When we get stuck, when we get into the wilderness and we hit any spot there that we don't understand, it's a wilderness experience, you will be to us instead of eyes. You will tell us how we need to encamp in that particular place. All right? Now, I want to show you something. Now, so this is how, this is what I want to show you. This is what Moses was saying. So you start out in your journey. Let's assume that you're a businessman. I hope you'll be able to see this. All right? Television here. And you start the journey on a project. So you go this way. All right? So you're here. Okay? You can see you're making progress. Then you get to the spot, which is a wilderness experience, which we will get to. So you get to that spot and you don't know what's going on. You're struggling. You don't know what's going on. So what happens is that people begin to go round and go round and go round. And there's so much confusion here and they're tried. And all this takes seven years. Let's say this here. On this spot here. Then after some time you stumble on something and you discover it and you go up again. Then you hit another world and experience. You go this way, you go this way, you go this way. That could take you another five years. And then you stumble on something and then you go up. Now, you can only do this because you're a strong-willed and determined person. So these seven and five years, you were able to have staying power. If someone doesn't have that kind of staying power, which is why people fail, this is what they do. They go up like that, all right? So we do this. They go up this way, all right, like that. They get to that point here. They flatten out. And they're wondering what's going on, what's going on. They give it up and start again flatten out they give up start again flatten out they've done three things every single thing there's no definite end 
But somebody who has a teacher, all right, this is exactly what that person does and happens to that person. So they start out this way, okay? That's the way now we can say they get to that spot, all right? They now get the relevant books and everything, do inductive reasoning, compare what this person did in different fields here, find out which way they spent six months in burning the midnight oil, studying here, and what happens is that they move up. They move to this next one, spend another three months burning, they move up. They've spent nine months there in this transit, they are right here in three years. This other person has gotten to this particular spot. He started out here. It took him some time, some time, 12 years for this. That person in three years, this person got here in 16 years. Now in 16 years, this other follower here has gone far more ahead of him. Why? Because he allowed teachers into his life. All right? So I just want to pray for everybody under the sound of my voice. You're listening to me. I ask the Father of Lights for one thing. That wherever your teachers are hidden, either physically in person or in books, or on websites, may your eyes be opened as they are sent into your life this moment in the name of Jesus. And may you receive grace to embrace those teachers and meekness that you might be lifted up to another realm in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To listen to the full message or any other message, please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org. For any inquiries, please call 0818-600-0082. God bless you.